0: I just wanted to give a quick uh, preview before we get into this episode, because we did end up having some audio problems um, midway through it. And in the first half of this episode as well, Cristiano's mic uh, just kind of made the staticky noise over and over again. And I didn't really pick up on it until later. Um, so around the 17-minute mark, there will be no static if you want to just skip to that if it's unbearable, but there is a lot of really good content in this episode, and I would appreciate if you listen to all of it. So yeah, just a little heads up, bye. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of Double Buffs after a one-week hiatus. I missed you. There's a you lot mom. to talk about. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about as... Um, We have some extra series to touch up on that happened in the past. We're not going to highlight them too much. But we're going to talk about them briefly and then kind of give our final goodbyes to these teams as we synopsize their season. Um, I hope you enjoy this segment. And as always,
1: Cristiano, how are we doing today? Mm. I'm doing really great today. It's a little warm out. It's in the 70s today, so I'm making sure to stay hydrated. And let me tell you, Greg. There's nothing better in this world than feeling cool water sliding down your throat. And the you know what? The more the better. And it just makes me grateful that, you know, I'm not a blue whale. Because you know those guys' throats are only a few inches wide. So I not be able to I wouldn't be able to glug 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 that I'm so famous for. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting fact. Yeah, you pick these up when you're teaching
0: little kids. And that's that's this is the type of content you get on Double bus Not only do we tell you the most in-depth threaded analysis on these teams, but we also give you fun facts about Blue Wells. Anyways, yeah. to start things off, let's go back in time a little bit and revisit the TSM versus Evil Geniuses series. Um, this was a much closer series than expected, I think, in a lot of people's minds. TSM was the heavy favorites because EG had looked pretty rocky over the course of the split and TSM looked like they were ramping it up towards playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. but they also did lose against Team Liquid. So um you know some people were actually you, you predicted Evil Geniuses would would win the series because they got hard stomped by Team Liquid.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I was actually really impressed with Evil Geniuses this series. Um when I was actually going into the games after having sat on things a little longer and after seeing TSM um, come out with the first victory, I was sort of on the, on the TSM train for this one. But a lot of unique picks came out for, uh, like, Jizuke playing that um, Nico. I almost forgot the champion's name. I never see them. But Jizuke on the Nico it proved to be, like, a really interesting pick, I thought, that brought a lot of value. And um, he also played Yoni. So he... Pulled out a lot of these sort of pocket picks that i think were maybe prepared trying to pull a fast one over tsm maybe and although they didn't bring the victory they got very close and you know they did win a few games
0: yeah evil geniuses definitely made their fans proud that day um i think it was a really good series because a lot of analysts argue that the way to attack tsm is in the early game but at the same time tsm is an elite team at coming back from early deficits. So instead, you know, EG came into this series preparing in a different way. And that way was to attack the mid lane pool of Power of Evil. They um, um, they were constantly banning out mid lane champions, Azir, Oriana, and Syndra. But when when it comes to the draft, you can't ban all three in the first round because Poe can just pick that victor, which Jazuke doesn't play. But what they can do is they could ban one or two and kind of force TSM onto the mid lane matchup that they want. And then on the other side, um, Jizuke is one of the only players in the league that you know consistently plays Ryze, Nico, Yoni, some of these weird ones. So naturally, he has a better understanding of the matchup. And that's kind of how they attack TSM in this series. Um, it was definitely really good. That TSM, I was happy with TSM that they consistently banned out um, Rise and Echo because those are two champions that um, Evil Geniuses also plays a lot. Um, but I really like this approach from Evil Geniuses. Ultimately, TSM won. Um, it was really fun watching the Nocturne from them as well. Um, but I'd say, was that the series? Yeah, that was the yeah, series. Yeah, Huni played um, Huni's ignite. Yeah, he looks he good on the Nocturne. And then he also played Ignite Camille, mm-hmm. which he struggled with a lot. You know, a lot of people have been talking about that Ignite versus Flash. I think the series really po- proved Flash was better. But yeah, I mean, Evil Geniuses are a fun team to watch. I hope they come
1: back stronger in the next split. And sad to say farewell, but looking forward to the future. Goodbye, EG. I totally agree with you on the Flash-Ignite thing, by the way. I think it the amount of times... The opponent like missteps, and you're able to like, capitalize and use that ignite to win a game versus the amount of times you flash can win games. I think it is just so lopsided it doesn't make sense not to take flash there was mul- there was multiple instances where like um Huni was
0: like sh- like a minuscule distance away from getting off like a couple more autos in a queue, and instead he had ignite where it dealt like 150 damage, but if he had flash to close that distance instead, he would have got off like two more autos and a Q maybe, and it's just a safer pick. So like, so it would be more damage and it'd be safer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's so, kind cool. of how I felt about that. You heard it here first. But, um, Stop taking going night. into. Yep. And going into the next series, or the next team we're going to wish farewell to, uh, Dignitas. We had Dignitas for 100 Thieves. Basically everyone was pooping on 100 Thieves. They were saying they kept getting wrecked with this new roster. Ryoma just isn't it. Dignitas ramping it up. They've had time to prepare. People were predicting 3-0, 3-1 victories for Dignitas, yet 100 Thieves just uberly stomped them.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, This really sort of did, did two things, two kind of obvious things. It made me feel not so bad about 100 Thieves going into TSM. Which you know we'll talk a little bit about later, and also, I think it really exposed Dig as sort of a bunch of locker dogs, or not locker dogs, but the strategies that they were using don't hold up in like best of fives clearly. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I've been liking Rioma a little bit more. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. He's still clearly not on the on the tier of like Power of Evil or these other guys. But here he was perfectly suited to to take on Soligo.
0: Yeah, I mean, Dignitas Cinderella story came to an end, but you know, they still had a good split and they were an entertaining team to watch in North America. It was happy to see them, you know, outprove everyone's expectations. Ultimately, they fell short, mm-hmm. but in this series specifically, I think Game One kind of just show. Like after Game One, I was like really confident the One Hundred Thieves was going to win, and my reasoning behind that was. In the first round of bands, Dignitas let 100 Thieves play Kaisa, Hecarim, and Ori, which <laughs> uber-stomped the regular season because it's, like, such a good dive comp where Kaisa and Hecarim can go in together and Ori's going to speed up Hecarim. It doesn't even no- matter what you round out the comp with. It just—whenever that was picked in the regular season, the the team that had that comp was easier to execute, more wins. And then they even let Nar go through in the second—like— bi- the second phase which you know nar I haven't looked into the stats for this but I'm pretty sure nar hecarum kaisa oriana likely has the highest win rate in the league yeah. and, and and I was like th- after I saw this I was kind of thinking like oh dignitas must have a strategy plan for this like you know like five head like just you know 3D chess mm-hmm. but um, their answer was volleyball which basically no one in the world is playing And they got behind pretty quickly and someday was stomping on fake gods gangplank throughout the series and they fell short. So I don't know. Uh, No one was expecting much out of them and they still outperformed during the regular season. So I can't be too sad about this, this series.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm mostly not sad about them getting booted out because no one probably, like you said, no one saw them getting any further than, you know, semifinals on like a golden shining day for Dignitas. Um. But I'm really excited to see sort of where these players go next split and next year, especially have my eye on Neo, who I think has proved himself to to maybe be one of the best on the team behind Dardok and aframu I think he's probably a solid third there. So I'm excited to see where he goes and if Dignitas decides to hold on to these players or if they're one of those orgs that's sort of like a money-making machine where they're like, oh, we got some hot prospects to offload to these other top teams. So I'll be excited to see where these guys go.
0: Mm-hmm. This is definitely an interesting conversation because the time between spring and summer split has been like greatly reduced mm-hmm. from last year. So I think a lot of these teams are going to be looking similar yeah. or they're at least going to be rushed in their roster construction for next split. Agreed, yeah. Um, but yeah, moving on. Um, Wait, we got to say goodbye to Dignitas. That man. has... Oh yeah, bye bye,
1: Dignitas. <laughs> All right.
0: I expect you won't make playoffs for a few more years, but it was good to see you here. Well, it lasted. Come on,
1: man! You don't gotta do them like that.
0: <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I actually applied to a Dignitas internship, so I really do. nice. Hey, hey, get me on there, and you'll be golden. But next team <laughs> that we're wishing farewell to will be. One hundred thieves. Mm-hmm. Um, or opinions on the TSM versus hundred thieves theory, and so, your final takeaways.
1: Like I said, I was actually I was pretty pleasantly surprised with their performance. I mean, they managed to take one off of TSM. Uh, I think FBI this bot lane on hundred thieves when everything else was crumbling. I think they really showed that they're still top tier LCS bot lane. Um, probably on the tier of like. Uh, Tactical and core JJ at the moment, how they're performing, I would put them kind of head-in-head. I've seen just FBI. uh, I've been playing a little bit of ADC. And there are these these moments when you come into team fights and the game is all set up and you look at the opponent team and you know just whose moves you have to dodge and this guy's going to be coming for me and so I have to use my moves this way. And he just performs. He just uses the kits of these ADCs phenomenally to, to execute that. It's so easy to to think, but I want to hold my jump here for a second. I'm a little bit greedy, but no, he was always using it at the perfect time on that Tristana. So I'm really impressed with this bot lane in this series, despite their defeat. That being said, the top lane of mm-hmm. Hundred Thieves has done the opposite of impressed, I feel like. Um, someday has been on a, a steady downward trajectory. Picking Jace, how many games did you pick, Jace? One. Two, three, three, three Jace games. So he took three Jace losses um, against Hooney, and they didn't decide that maybe they should switch up the draft. Sunday is not exactly a, an unskilled player, you know. He has a, a decent champion pool. You would think that he'd be able to pull out some other things to make more of a difference in these these matchups, but he just didn't really. And I'm, I'm, I'm of a differing opinion to that, to that note that you just made.
0: Yeah. I think that 100 Thieves looked immensely better last week. Um, they came into this series with really good prep, in my opinion. You know, um, I think they prepared this this Jason to Gnar matchup. Because they stomped on Gnar, uh like, three games in a row against Signitas, they are probably expecting that TSM would either be banning out the NAR or picking it themselves. And it was obvious that, you know, 100 Thieves identified that we're not a better team than TSM in the mid-game, so we're just going to try to force early game wins. And game after game, they were up like 3K gold with really good dragon control. Mm-hmm. But there was just these miracle Baron plays by TSM um, and miracle like soul dragon fights by them that just completely flopped the game. Yeah. But I really don't I don't want to fall... Follow- this Jace pick too much, because it is a hard champion to play. You, your team needs to play around you. You need to be up like 40 CS for it to be considered a win. Mm-hmm. But if you do do that, it's very easy to stomp over the opponent, um, which was a different approach than Evil Geniuses took. And overall, uh, Puppa Smithy, you know, and the team making the decision to bring in Ryoma over DeMonte, I think it was the correct decision. They, they did look like they turn things around towards the end here, and um, I'm expecting them to improve a lot next
1: season. Yeah, maybe I should I should give some some clarification. So, like the Jace pick, maybe someday didn't perform terribly, and maybe we can put some of this blame on closer because he was one of the other ones who I thought underperformed in this this series. Or maybe it wasn't an underperformance given uh, how the se- uh, the season ended. But yeah, like you were saying, you really need to play. Your, your jungler needs to consciously and proactively play for the Jace so it can get a sizable enough lead that it isn't just a liability in team fights. And, you know, that didn't really happen in any of the three. Or actually, not any of them, because they won one, and he, he did pretty well. But So, yeah, that's 100 Thieves for and him. And, I mean, that's, that's kind of how it goes. That's how it goes.
0: 100 Thieves picked, like, winning lane matchups mm-hmm. with very low CC and engage while... Um, TSM, on the other hand, had Orianna and NAR. So once the game went late, you knew that TSM was going to win. But that's a sacrifice you make going into the series uh, with 100 Thieves. They were like, let's put our foot on the gas pedal and let's ride this car into the sunset whether we win or lose. And I'm happy that 100 Thieves took this approach rather than just try to have like a mid lane mage battle with... um, poe versus ryoma because once you get that once you have ryoma on azir and poe on like oriana or cetera, it's just it's over from the start of the game tsm's gonna win but when you put ryoma in onto Lucian and you can push in um power of evil and kind of get such a big gold leap that once it gets into the mid game the game's just already done so which was the mentality so I, i i like that from you know strategic perspective
1: Yeah, the last thing I want to talk about for this matchup is that that Nocturne pick in the top lane. I've been playing a little bit of it myself, and it seems so disgusting. That extra dash on Stridebreaker, as people are even still, I feel like, figuring out item builds a little bit from the item changes this preseason. Because some of these champions that were sort of left by the wayside... um, these synergies are being found like Nocturne and Stridebreaker guaranteeing your fear. So you can always get that fear and that movement speed towards them while they're slowed and it's just impossible for these ADCs to get off of you or to get you off of them. With the um, So you go Stridebreaker and then either Sterics or like a heavy armor item uh, like Randuin's or Thornmail i found works really well. And it allows you to just dive the ADC with impunity. So there's nothing they can do. There's literally zero. Xayah ults. Oh, well, your fear actually go through the, the tethers stay on the pull through oh you're spell shielding it so it's just a nasty pick and the matchups in lane don't seem that bad either maybe it's just me playing gold but you seem to pretty reliably be able to push waves super quick with your passive aoe auto attack in your queue and either invalidate the lane and just like make it a an easy matchup Or there's so many lanes where you you can just run down with um, Time Warp Tonic and Corrupting bot Because you get so fast, it's unreal. But yeah, I just love that pick.
0: You're moving around a lot, and it's like super... I think you're making some static, by Maybe I yanked
1: my headphone, Jeff.
0: Testing, testing, testing. All right, so we had some audio problems. No big deal. Sorry for this (laughs) split. Um Also, we figured out that Cristiano's mic is having a little bit of a noise. And we're thankful if you made it this far, if it's not too bothering. Cristiano's going to hold up his mic. Hopefully it gets better. But yeah, to continue on to the conversation, um, Cristiano was just talking about Nocturne. And I think this season in general, especially in pro play, there have been a lot of diamond in the roughs that randomly come up throughout the season, like Udir. Came up, people weren't expecting Udir to be strong at all, like out of nowhere. Same with Tristana. And I think this season in general, there's been a lot of these sleeper picks that teams are figuring out and will continue to figure out, similar to Nocturne. Um, the jungle pool has kind of remained steady with like four or five champions being Lilia, Udir, Hekram, Olaf. Um, largely, I think, because of the, the jungle item change where you just get that one item at level one. Um, used to be there used to be hunters machete and talisman. Talisman was kind of like good for spell slingers and machete was good for auto attackers. And what they did this new split is they combined the two, so it's kind of like fifty percent machete, fifty percent um, talisman, and that's really good for like spell slinger auto attackers that are fast in the jungle, like Udyr, you know, uh, Lilia, uh, Hecarim. Yeah, that's
1: and yeah, sort of the aspect that gives them champs that's super fast clear the fact that they have these spells that are a big part of their kit but in the case of deer and hecarim uh their you know their auto attacks are pretty pretty decent damage as well so they like you said make really good use of it Mm -hmm. yeah they have good sustain and
0: they're really fast which has been the see the you know that's been the the story of the split But then we also have C9 versus Team Liquid um, that happened. Um, I'm just going to give a rundown of both teams. Cloud9, I think their style, I would describe them as kind of like, you know, they thrive in organized chaos and creative thinking. Um, They're definitely the most versatile team in draft out of anyone in NA. Um, They're also, their their macros really sound. It seems like... um, Maybe Team Solo Mid and Team Liquid have to talk about macro a little bit more than they do in-game. I think um, Cloud9 is a little more autopilot with their macro decisions, wave management control. These are things they really excel at. And as a result, um, this gives this lets Blaber and Perks and the team as a whole think of more creative ways to come back into the game because they have more time to talk about that stuff than lane assignments, it seems like. Yeah. And meanwhile, Team Liquid, on the other hand, I think they have stronger laners than Cloud9 does. But it also feels like when they are in really high-pressure situations like Worlds, maybe sometimes against Cloud9, it seems like they have this immense pressure on the shoulders that maybe Cloud9 doesn't. And I think in this series specifically, CoreJJ just kind
1: of looks non-existent. Yeah, I think there there definitely is like sort of a rivalry that's developed between these two teams. Um, from the just the last couple splits alone, I would say, where these were kind of the two the two big beefy boys. But you're right. Uh, I was looking at mm-hmm. the final match. Core JJ tried to take out Tom Kench and he got just easily counterpicked by the Braum from Vulcan, which was a great matchup. The Ash braum into Jinx Tom Kench. Uh, Vulcan really just showed that he's willing to make... Braum isn't innovative by any means, but the fact that he's willing to go outside of that meta to say, I think this is a good matchup, and despite no one else really playing it, and taking it and then smashing with it. And the same, same for Sven. I mean, he did something similar because he picked Ash, which isn't one of the premier AD carries right now. So they're showing a lot of flexibility, mm-hmm. which is, you know, which is key. I think...
0: And I attribute, I'm going to credit Cloud9 with this, but when CoreJJ isn't on these engaged style champions or champions that can make a lot of impact, like Leona, for example, Team Liquid does look a lot weaker. He played Seraphine and Tom Kench in these type of champions, especially Seraphine, just don't have the same... Team Liquid isn't as comfortable with them. So while Seraphine is a really strong champion in the bot lane, you have to consider, like, what players are playing these champions and what teams are playing these champions. And even if you have a strong draft with Seraphine in the bot lane, that's still a win for Cloud9 because Team Liquid's whole identity is constructed around that. Um, I think like Team Liquid, I would kind of describe their style. When CoreJJ is on these engaged style supports, I feel like they really have two styles. One that they've kind of carried over from the last four splits where they can really like kind of strangle out the opponent like an Anaconda when there's zero kills in the game. Mm-hmm. That's kind of their style. Classy. Or they can like really hyper take over the game through like lane phase dominance and where they stomp that way. So if the game if the game turns into a game where it's not one of those two styles, they're more – there's a bunch of different styles you can play, right? But those are the two ones they're at lead at. And I think because of just how creative Cloud9 is, that they can really they can do more in the mid game where they prevent that style, for example, while TSM, you know, the early dominance lane phase stuff, that's one of like TSM's weaknesses, I guess. So that's what kinda like the difference. TL you mean, right? You said no, TSM. Yeah, whatever right? I said. T double T T or like well when they played when they played when TL played TSM, um, T- we we, shot, we got showed one of their elite styles where it was just lane phase oh, dominance I see, I see, yeah. and the game quickly in that series. That's one of their two styles that I think they've really identified.
1: Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think uh, – so you were saying that Cloud9 really has this mid-game dominance or they, they have a lot of creative looks in the mid-game. Um, I think I largely put that to Blaber, who I think is a strong uh, – Candidate for the best player in the league right now. He absolutely dismantled Santorin uh, almost every game, and even the game where a team or where yeah team Liquid won, uh, Blaber was one one and one on Nidalee, which is hardly a game losing score, right? So uh-huh. it's just kind of astounding how this guy came into the league immediately and was almost like almost instantly one of the top junglers, and he's just seems to be getting better and better. Santorin is supposed to be kind of like his rival. I've, they've both spoken about it a little bit. But there's no rivalry here when Blaver is performing like this. Just totally... Oh, shit. I dropped the thing again. Uh, totally t- taking Santorin <laughs> apart. I started moving all over the place. But
0: yeah. <laughs> um, and is that like your... Like in, rather than talk about the next two series that are going to be coming up because we don't know if TL or TSM is going to win, um, I was thinking we could just pick like who we think is going to be our representative at MSI. Yeah. Um, is that kind of like your pitch for Cloud Nine, or do you have someone else that I, you're thinking of? To, I think am going to be pitching.
1: I will be pitching for Cloud Nine. That's part of my pitch. I got more. I got more in the bank if you want to hear it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, do you want to move thing. right into that? Yeah. I think Alfari is clearly the bright point on TL in this matchup. But even during these playoffs, I would say who like who performed better than Fudge. I'm not sure. Maybe mm. Huni in some games. And I think Fudge's Fudge's has improved a lot. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's my point. And so I think this top lane matchup is less of a skill disparity than we would have thought. Basically, all all split long. And that when that is Team Timo kind of shining light, because Santorin is getting embodied, Jensen, I I think there could be a case somewhere there. But when I see the name Perks, and I see how he's been performing in these playoffs, and then I see Jensen, who I think you mentioned, did you say he was looking a little shaky earlier? I don't exactly remember, but I think Perks... Yeah, yeah, I think Perks was is the clear standout there, and then the bot lane Tactical has been jumping in every game, and you see Sven and um, Sven and Bulkin. Yeah, there it is. Um, they just they just took care of the bot lane of Team Liquid, no problem this uh, this series. And so, if we're just gonna have another rematch, there's gonna have to be some changes for TL for them to overcome Cloud Nine. And TSM, I don't think he even stand a chance. So yeah, bad.
0: <laughs> there, yeah. go. Right. Let me explain to you why TSM is going to be our representative. At- on the <laughs> okay, yeah, lay it on My me. thought process. All right, my thought process behind this is they lost terribly to Team Liquid in their first series, right? But they also lost terribly against Golden Guardians last summer and they ended up taking the second series off of them. They had really bad drafts in their first series, and I'm sure that they will fix these mistakes going into the next, um, the next matchup against Team Liquid. And when there isn't such a draft disparity, we haven't even seen how like a series between these two teams will actually play out when one team isn't already favored from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And beyond that... Um, both TSM had to play both eg and 100 thieves that looked that ramped up like a lot right they were able to play two different styles against TSM where they attacked their mid lane pool and they uh, that where eg attacked their mid lane pool and where 100 thieves attacked their early game and I think these two series is gonna give TSM also a lot of things to work on um, during review they're gonna be like it's, I think it's I think it's really good at shoring up their weaknesses. So they've had three series where they can take stuff away from the Team Liquid one, where they can improve their drafts; the 100 Thieves one, where they can they they know how to prevent like really early stomps. and then the EG one, where they can play against a mid lane focused style. And with this extra practice, I think TSM has just become a more versatile team than Team Liquid this upcoming week. I don't expect them to go ignite Camille or like rumble Lucian again and nor like AP Gragas for example um and while Team Liquid um has stuff to improve on from that C9 series I don't think they have the same stuff that they can improve on from the TSM series all they really figured out from that series is that they can outdraft TSM so I think TSM has more stuff to take away from these series and PoE I watched an interview with PoE recently and he said um he was really looking forward to the rematch he thinks it's you know, he expects it to go completely different. He's confident. He's talking about some spicy picks that they've prepared that, you know, I'm watch, I haven't been watching much China or Korea, but, you know, Kobe talks about it in the casts where he's saying, you know, there's some spicy picks coming up in drafts that maybe we haven't seen yet, Nocturne being one of them. So I think TSM, um, you know, has some of these pocket picks still. And I think they'll have against the edge against Team Liquid. And once they beat Tim, Team Liquid, I think Cloud9, while they're such a versatile team and really good at map control and wave management and being flexible in drafts, I think the way to beat them is if you can out team fight them and kind of get these big team fights onto your terms, Ooh. which we saw they could do against one hundred thieves. So I think stylistically, TSM like their standard gameplay is, is good against Cloud9. They just need better dragon control than than the series against one hundred thieves. You know, force dragon fights on their terms um i think that's how they went against cloud nine and i see their biggest weakness now that i think could show up in the cloud nine series is kind of spika and power of evil synergy with each other they're both really good players and you know their team chemistry in the mid game is good but it seems like in the early game sometimes spika's invading while power of evil doesn't have lane priority and then spika will get killed and power of evil is just in the mid lane like you know, they don't seem to be on the same page. So I think if they can fix that, fix their dragon control a little bit, they've just had more practice than Cloud9 and TSM, and that's why they're going to ultimately represent us at MSI.
1: Nice. You started winning me over a little bit, to be honest, because I see what you mean about um, drafting issues and how a lot of these teams or a lot of games this split were seemingly sort of lost in draft, right? Or Like you draft no engage or something funny like that rumble Lucian, when you were rattling off those things, I was like, huh, there have been a lot of funny draft decisions throughout the split that you can rattle off these things, and I instantly know you're... AP Gragas. Oh, I remember that one. So, uh-huh. I wish we could get these two ch- teams in, like, a vacuum or something with the same exact picks and really see, like, an even matchup. But um, that aside... Oops, sorry. But <laughs> that aside... I like, I like your point that they played against all these different styles and have adapted, and that they've really taken these... Mm. They have more like clear-cut things they can improve on, basically, is what you're saying, right? It's easier to identify, okay, we screwed up the draft here and maybe these other obvious fixes, whereas Cloud9 versus TL, they seem to be both playing pretty high-level games where there weren't these obvious blunders, so those are a lot harder to find. Mm. And,
0: um, I will say... I will say there's two more reasons why I wouldn't pick TSM that I just heard in interviews. Mm -hmm. One being Jat in an interview said that Team Liquid works, um, learns a lot more when they lose games. Right. Mm -hmm. And he also said they had a really off day against Cloud 9 So I think that's kind of where where I was like getting this. It seems like they have this big pressure on their shoulders that sometimes just like, you can't really tell when it's just going to lift on them. But um that's one reason. Maybe they weren't at their full strength and they're going to improve a lot from this series. And I also listened to Sven, the ADC for Cloud9, in another interview where he said he, doesn't, he thinks it's going to be TL or C9 um, that represent them at MSI because his mentality was that these teams aren't going to be scrimming each other anymore. So then it comes down to this next week of practice on how much you can improve. And he's saying that he thinks Team Liquid's academy team and Cloud9's academy team is just so far ahead of mm-hmm. TSM's that they're gonna these teams are gonna be having better practice than um, TSM. But I think TSM has a lot more film to review and I still gonna weight that higher, but these are other like factors to consider when making predictions. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um I mean I haven't been watching much global esports. But do you think Watch any of World our Day teams Day. do you think this is the MSI? Do you think this is the MSI where NA performs?
1: I've heard really scary things about China this year. They seem to just get better and better. Um the days of the Korean overlords kind of seem to be gone, because on the opposite hand, Korea seems to be a little bit in shambles from what I also heard. <laughs> Just like SKT getting knocked out by Gen G, which was not really supposed to happen. And so it seems like maybe they're sending some sort of weird teams. But Europe looks... Mm. Europe looks a little shaky too, to be honest. Uh, G2 getting knocked out by Schalke, which was quite interesting to watch. And was pretty hyped to watch, but yeah. So, and Fnatic no, is No, they don't
0: lose to Schalke. They, they beat Schalke
1: they beat in Schalke. the lower bracket. They lost to Mad Lions. I think. Oh, they're in the lower bracket now. Oh, they even lost them. No, 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 you're right, you're right. Yeah. Schalke they beat, beat Schalke Schalke Fnatic. They and they lost to Mad Lions. That's what I'm thinking. I was thinking Schalke beat Fnatic, for, and they knocked them out of finals for the first time in like five splits or something. And so maybe, maybe that new blood proves just as good, but something in the back of my head says they won't really hold up their first year in international play. Like these old veteran teams like G2 or Fnatic would... So, Fnatic's out. g two is in the loser bracket. So, we'll see. If Europe sends neither of those teams, I would feel pretty favorably, or, like, more favorably about our chances. But there's still that monstrosity of China lurking in the background, like Godzilla. And NA needs to be the Yeah. On that point, um,
0: what's kind of interesting is that Every single year, it seems like we have these giants. We have TSM, Team Liquid, Cloud9, Fnatic, G2, SKT. It's these seemingly these same teams. You know, maybe Gen G is one that's appeared a lot that come up in these international tournaments, right? And maybe this year, NA is the only one that kind of has that. You know, Flash Wolves from Taiwan. It's, it's the same teams, but China, on the other hand, they're always sending different teams. Always. And I think that just shows how strong the region is, because when you're sending all these different teams and, you know, one split of teams in first place, the next they're in ninth. It's just really all these teams are such equal in skill. It's just meta. It literally is just meta that decides the best teams sometimes. And that just shows how strong of a reason China is.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to start tuning into the playoffs now that we're sort of more near the end, because I don't really want to watch all those beginning. I just haven't been tuned in, so it doesn't mean too much. But I want to see these, these later matches, especially the, the finals. I can't imagine how crazy like, the top two teams in China, the top region going face, face-to-face is going to be. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that.
0: Oh, one thing we didn't mention, mention at all mm-hmm. that actually can make a really big difference before MSI yeah. is that next week, Stage Games actually return and no longer will teams be playing in the safety of their homes. So that means that players like Fudge, Lost, um, these rookies, have never played on stage before, and they don't really understand the pressure. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. It seems like a lot of the vets are excited for this to come back. But when you're consistently playing in the same area all the time and you're just used to that, um, Once you go into a different environment with fans and pressure and crowd chants and you can't hear your microphone as easily, it really just can change the perspective of the team. Um, so I think uh, some yeah. of these players were at Worlds last in, you know, China had the two week quarantine, so they were able to get some stage experience. But, you know, Huni's been off the stage for probably over a year now, you know. So I think that's something to look out for, too, is maybe some, some of these players crumble under the pressure or they Rise you know, to the occasion,
1: yeah. Rise that's a good game. point. Uh, TL is the only, the only team without any of those sort of rookie players. So maybe TL gets a little bit of a buff from this against both TSM and Cloud9. Neither of us picked them, but maybe they'll be the ones who take it after all. Yeah, I was gonna say I didn't know if
0: Tactical had played on stage yet, but he definitely did at Worlds at the very least.
1: Yeah, and um, that's a pretty good, it's a pretty good stage to play on. I think <laughs> it's a pretty good size stage. Then,
0: yeah, so I think Lost and Fudge are the only two that have never played on stage before. Which, oh wait, Speaker? Oh no, Speaker played at Worlds. Speaker well. had a couple. Okay, of- so yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Speak it seems control. like that's gonna, this is going to benefit uh, Cloud9 a bit more. Yeah. Um, and we also saw how TSM did last Worlds when they did have to play on stage. So, you know, Spika didn't look that... Sp- actually, Spika was the one shining light low-key. Um, Power of Evil did look really that. good on FlyQuest at Worlds when he was on stage. They took games off of one of the favorites in the tournament, uh, Top Esports, where he went up against... The mid lane favorite knights um Night a lot nine. of people have yeah. them at the has the top of of his uh they had them at the top of their player rankings out of all positions so
1: yeah they're...
0: i don't know regardless i'm excited to see who represents us at m s i and um how we look there
1: same i i'm gonna be so yeah, sad if other... we have another domination of n a though it's gonna really crush me and I'll, it might happen okay, so we have a question
0: yeah. You think C9's going to make it there, yeah. or your pitch at least, and I think TSM's going to make it there. Mm-hmm. Which team do you think would perform the
1: best if they made it there? I think definitely Cloud9. Mm-hmm. I give it to Cloud9. Um, I mean, I guess there's the fudge not being on stage thing. But I, I just think Cloud9 is on, is on Cloud9. No. You know that saying? Yeah. Never mind. I do. Just when no, I think I of Cloud Nine know. and like the uh, the elite players they have, like even internationally. Perks elite internationally. Spen at one point, uh, elite international player. Um, and blabber, not doesn't really have the the awards, but like you said, or no, you were talking about Speaker. But he performs pretty admirably in in international situations. So I just I just I think they have the experience. I think they have the star power to, to sort of go toe to toe with these other regions, top teams, because those teams are going to have the best, of the best on them. And mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. yeah, I just think C9's the best. So. So, the, so this is my worry. I think TSM
0: is going to be our representative at MSI, as I just explained. Mm-hmm. But I think out of the three teams, they would look the worst at MSI because it, Time after time again, TSM has failed that international competition. I know it's new players, but their org as a whole seems like they ramp up as time progresses. And when there's knockout stages, you know, there's not a lower bracket where they have a second chance and they can continue to improve. They seem like they come, they always come in with weak meta reads initially. And at a tournament like MSI, where there's all these different, um, you know, global styles where like China's been developing their own style, Europe, NA, Korea, Taiwan, it's pretty cool. Vietnam's coming back and all these teams have their own styles and are going to be scrimming each other. And then there's an MSI meta that's going to formulate over the course of MSI. And they just historically have been pretty bad at figuring out these meta reads. So that's why I think that, you know, I think they're going to make it there because they're in their element right now, but once they get there, they're going to be out of their element. And and I think Bjergsen is going to be sending back home once again, unfortunately.
1: Bjerksen you said it is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I know what you mean. NA as a whole usually has some pretty crappy meta reads. Um, speaking, I, well, I don't want to talk about it too much. I'm just excited to see what the meta turns out. And I hope it does not involve Udir, Hecarim, and Lilia. And that's that's my piece. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm not sure which patch MSI is going to be on. We have been on 11.5 for a while now, but we'll see how it shapes up once we get there. bear is getting buffed, so we could see some Volibear in both the jungle and top lane, which might be a breath of fresh air. We'll see. But yeah, that's all from me today. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Double Bus, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye.